0: Hold the Line with Mike Solon sponsored by StopDefunding.com. The senseless trend of defunding police departments must be stopped. Over 200,000 reasonable citizens have already signed our petition, and we need your help. Visit StopDefunding.com and add your signature to help us protect public safety. Now more than ever, our voices must be heard. Speak up at StopDefunding.com. Hey, I want to welcome
1: everybody to the first ever hold the line with Mike Solon podcast here at the Seattle police officers guild HQ headquarters here in Soto. I'm happy to have you on. I think this is going to be a good platform for long form discussions that this city, our community desperately needs in terms of community relations and the police that protect our community. We're willing to bring on guests that um, disagree with us, agree with us all across the spectrum to have a good, real and authentic conversation that I think can transcend a lot of the political talk, some of the false narratives that are out there to really get us to understand one another without the division. We need unity now more than ever. And I'm not quite sure that our political leaders are bringing that unification. It's quite sad, actually. So I think that this platform could transcend some of that. I hope you find these discussions and the guests that I bring on Um, inviting, uh, something that's exhilarating, something that we all can learn from because I'm here to learn too. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a copper who represents 1300 great people that protect our community. I don't have all the answers, but I'm here to, um, to listen to people, people in our community that have, uh, influence, but also who are real and authentic as well, that are looking for a long form discussion to circumvent some of the media short narrative, pieces that really don't get the job done. For example, like our first guest, and I'm pleased to announce, is uh, Victoria Beach from the African American Advisory Council for the city of Seattle with SPD Relations. And it's going to be great to have her on. I think it's uh, it's going to allow us to have a good, authentic, real conversation that I think, in and of itself, is a uh, is a, is a good path forward to try to understand where we are as a community with police police in this uh, in these times. We're also going to get into things that our city council is doing at the city hall level, and I think one in particular is something I'm looking at right now that's on my uh, computer in front of me. It's the preposterous legislation, the proposed legislation from the public safety chair of the Seattle City Council, Lisa Herbold relative to making misdemeanor crimes non-existent in the city of Seattle. And Scott Lindsay, who put an amazing piece together that breaks down how horrific this type of ideology, as far as this proposed legislation, can be and is to our city. Um, We're looking forward to having guests like him on. Uh, A loophole that effectively legalizes most crime in Seattle, courtesy of council member Herbold. Completely naive. But you know what? Maybe she would come on this podcast and we could talk it out. Disagree, but do it with professionalism and respect. Um, I would definitely say that this is a naive ideology, but maybe I can learn something from her if she has uh, the inclination to come on this program. As well as I've always been on record saying I'll go on a program with anybody. I'll talk with anybody anytime, anywhere, as long as it's reasonable at a reasonable time and a reasonable location. Because when we refuse to listen to one another, we don't come together. And as a police officer who's been serving this community for 21 years, we need our community to come together. And I'm committed to highlighting these issues that impact our entire Seattle area across the state and across our nation as we will touch on these issues. So if you want to be part of the guest uh, list, uh, you can always email me at uh, mike at seattlepoliceguild.org. And we're going to develop things further with Hold the Line with Mike Solon. But stay tuned. And for the inaugural guest of Victoria Breach, we're looking forward to having her on.
0: The line must be drawn. Yeah! This part, no father! This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish. Got a fight. Hold the Line! Hold the Line with Mike Solon is sponsored by Heart to Heart Medical Supply. Heart to Heart is an American company offering FDA-registered respirator masks at wholesale prices. Heart to Heart offers free same-day shipping, and by using the promo code COVIDSAFE at checkout, you can save 10% off your entire order. Visit hearttoheart.com. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-A-R-T.com, hearttoheart.com.
1: Hey, welcome back. This is Mike Solon with Hold the Line. And I want to take this time to um, recognize that this is our first inaugural podcast. Hold the line with Mike Solon is a vision that I've had with the Seattle Police Officers Guild that basically tells the story of police officers that serve this community, our perspective outside the lens of a media influence that I don't think properly tells the story of our community relations with the, with the public we serve, tells our story, but then also allows us to hear feedback on how we're doing so we can learn and learn from community leaders And um, people that um, want to be involved in a conversation relative to public safety. And it's my passion to represent police officers. I've been a police officer here for 21 years. And I ran for the SPOG presidency because what I felt was the police side of the story was being lost in a, a variety of fronts. Number one, the police in general are that cause of why the police narrative gets lost. We don't tell our story properly. And I think if we were able to be humble enough and own our mistakes publicly and get a narrative out there that's based upon fact and realism, um, then we're doing a disservice to our community. So without further ado, I want to welcome Hold the Line podcast inaugural guest, Victoria Beach from the African-American Advisory Council of the Seattle, uh, the SPD, and i um, Without further ado, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah? Yep.
1: And you're okay with uh, recording this audio and visually? Everything's all good to go? Yes, I am. And you feel all comfortable? I, yep, I do. You know, I want to commend you for um, for just taking my call. And I think you play an important role in our community. And you represent a big portion of our um, of our Seattle populace that I think, needs to, to be heard.
2: Yes, you're right.
1: And SPOG members, we reflect a big portion of the African-American um, population here in the city. We do. We, we've got a lot of great police officers that are SPOG members and um, that I think serve this community with um, with distinction. And But I want to hear your perspective on how things are going with the black community and police relations here locally, but then I think we can transcend into across the state or just a national conversation relative to what's going on with the George Floyd unrest. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's being lost here. We're, we're just we're just not talking. Meaning not just me and you, yeah. but as a but as a society, we're not having these conversations. I mean, we're we're hearing the the, the snippets in media, right? But those are short form discussions. I think that this platform with Hold the Line is our ability to connect with one another, even if we disagree on something. And I think just reading you and listening to you on radio and the television appearances that you've done and what I've seen when you speak in public, you seem real and you seem authentic, which to me is inviting because that's how I would like to be perceived. Mm-hmm. And um, And I think you have a sense of courage for sitting down here with anybody to discuss your position on things and to me that's leadership so i commend you for that
2: well thank you
1: yeah so um i was thinking about two different paths i think number one we talk about obviously why you and i are sitting down uh, george floyd unrest your position with the african-american advisory council my position uh, position as the spog president but just as a police officer been here 21 years and we can talk about you know relations with police in the black community here specifically in seattle And we can branch out, like I said, nationally. But I think more importantly, let's talk with the George Floyd protests slash demonstrations and riots and how Black Lives Matter, um, the social justice conversation relative to change, policing and the black community, perceptions there, whether right or wrong, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that. But also get into Antifa and Black Bloc, and people that are conducting fascist actions Mm -hmm. against the people that they're claiming that they represent. And I don't think they represent the black community, but I would let you speak to that. So welcome. And can you, would you mind just giving the audience just a brief uh, synopsis of, you know, how long you've been in Seattle, how you got to the African-American Advisory Council with SPD. And just go from there and we'll just spitball.
2: Okay. I was born and raised here in Seattle, Washington, um, there's five generations now. I, um, my grandfather was an activist. My dad was. And, um, you know, I grew up hating the police. And I uh, have witnessed a lot and um, experienced, had my own experiences with them, um, being called out my name. I never, I never had a positive experience. I had a nephew that was beat up. Pretty bad. Uh, my sister, my... Um, Are we talking about
1: in Seattle or yeah, just across Seattle. the
2: nation? Okay. And um, and this story is kind of long. I won't go into it. But my daughter, who is now 25, when she was five, um, had two guns from Seattle police pointed at her. And...
1: Uh, what year is this? Uh, 19...
2: Uh, no, 2000. Okay. Yes. And um, the, the call that... that Cause that was a white Seattle U student said that a car was being stolen, which belonged to my nephew.
1: Okay. So basically I'm just kind of reading tea leaves here. Stolen car. Cops get called because somebody in the community reported something going on. The cops had to investigate. Yeah.
2: Okay. And, and, uh, everybody got out the car and she was the last one, but it traumatized her. Um, and of course, uh,
1: because back at the time, back in the day, cause I was working during that time, and mm-hmm. I think still to this day, you know, we we can. I'm not defending anything. Yeah. I'm just talking to you about my position on mm-hmm. things. So, now I have not been on that call, but I've been in something similar mm-hmm. where there have been children in the car where mm-hmm. go- guns were have been drawn. So Any time we consider that like a stolen car, a high risk mm-hmm. felony stop, mm-hmm. and typically people that steal cars are conducting a criminality. And then you have to treat those stops as if they're indeed a threat to your safety and well-being, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it happens, such as families like yourself that mm-hmm. get thrown into those un, you know, situations that become problematic and can scar somebody mm-hmm. um, for a long period of time. I remember particularly when I first came out, you might be describing the same one. Maybe I was on that call. I don't know. But we stopped a car that was stolen and we pulled people out of gunpoint. And the information we had at the time that one of those occupants was indeed uh, a felon in possession of a handgun. And what they had done was they put the handgun in the child's backpack who was around that age, Mm -hmm. and they ran back into the house. And I remember thinking to myself, do I stop this kid and immediately get to that backpack to find it? But I didn't. I let that kid go. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we didn't find a gun, Mm -hmm. and everything... You know, played its played its way out. But those are the types of things that we go through mentally too. Yeah, right.
2: but but and that wasn't the call. No, okay, good, yeah, good. So we're we we're, we're okay right. with each and other. And it was, uh, um, you know, of course I'm going to be upset with SPD because mm. I've had nothing but bad experiences. But um,
1: nothing positive.
2: Not up until now. But but no. wait a minute, I haven't been pulled over or stopped since I've I've been in this role. Or since, so I don't know if it's going to be positive or negative. Okay. Still, right. um, and and I do have my issues still with with some some police, and and th- and that's where I, I think I need to make it clear. Some people say, "Oh, she's just so pro police." I'm not pro anything. Um, we we still have a long ways to go, but um, but I'm going to. You know what? I need to back up with my story. Let's and, do it and say where, where, so I can lead up to this. But um, so that happened. But um, still, it was a that call was about race, not from SPD. It was from the the white the student, yeah. And um, and and so you know, I that even made me hate them more. You know, thinking they could have shot my my daughter if she would have lunged or did anything because they didn't know who. If that was a child in the car or what, but anyway, I um, I've carried so much anger with police, and then finally I started getting involved and thinking we have got to make a change, and um, and I start I became a block watch captain, and that's how I first started um, meeting different officers, and um, and then it went on from there. I just started going to. Every meeting I could, just being involved in the community, wanting to make a change, and um, I was asked to become the advisory chair, and I said no. Felicia Cross was the chair at the time, and she asked me for a year. Um, so many officers did, and I was like, I see how the community beats her up. You know, they call her a cop lover, and. They they don't see the other well, side.
1: What, what what part of the community beats her up?
2: The black community, and um, which I get I get it, and and um, but they need to come and get involved to understand and, and like you see. did, yeah. So, um, one of the the last person who made me decide I'm going to do it, it was Captain Grinnan, uh, Brian Grinnan, who now is assistant chief. And um, he said, uh, "You know why we need you because you'll call BS on both sides."
1: And and, and he, he's a black police chief. And no, no, I'm sorry. You're talking about Captain Brennan. Captain Brennan. Oh, okay, Brian got it. Grennan.
2: Yeah, got it. but now he's a Greening. Assistant. I
1: thought you meant Greening. There's no. a there, there, there's a black chief Greening. Yeah,
2: got I it. love him too. Yeah, yeah. But um, I uh, I thought okay, I'll I'll try it out. Yeah. And um, and I tried it out, and it, it was hard. I mean i constantly was i quitting i'm quitting because people were turning on me my community was and and how can you sit with them and talk with them and and um it hurt but the bottom line is i know who i am i know what i'm doing is right and i want to help make a change and uh I, I know what I'm doing is right, and you believe in it. I, I believe in it, and in um, my skin has become very thick, and now I can handle it. You know, it hurts a little bit, but I I get over it. But um, I've seen change, and and I've met officers that also agree we have to make a change. You know, and how are we going to make a change if we don't come together? We have to sit down calmly to the table and talk.
1: Like we're doing right now.
2: Yes, and even agree to disagree. Sure. And, um, you know, I'm still the first one to say um, I'm still not 100% um, with things the way they are. We We have work to do. And um, I encourage everybody to get involved, you know. How
1: would they get involved?
2: Come to the meetings, reach out to. So
1: when do, how often do you meet?
2: We meet once a month, the third Thursday of the month. I'm not sure what we're going to do the next few months, but we have been meeting in the park. Now it's too cold. But. Um,
1: and how many people would typically uh, be in attendance in those meetings?
2: It varies. It could be from five
1: to fifty, but at least you got people showing up. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's probably the positive thing.
2: Yes, and and we have seen some powerful things happen. My um, a couple of meetings ago. Well, I've done this twice. I've had black law enforcement come and um, the black community uh, just to have that conversation with officers. And, and I felt it was important first to have the black officers sure. tell their stories with them. And there was a young man I had come, and I'm not kidding, almost every day he wrote something on Facebook about ha- hating the police, and, and, um, and I asked him if he would just come and, and him and I never even talk on the phone. He used to be my, my daughter's um, ex-boyfriend in high school, and now they're both married to other people. But that's how long it's been. And he came, and he was blown away. And by the end of the meeting, they were hugging, exchanging phone numbers, and he said, "I, I you know, I would have never seen this side of them or so, know their story.
1: And so basically... It was a meeting that you somebody convinced him to show. Law enforcement was there. A long-form discussion, mm-hmm. raw, emotional, real conversations, and at the end of the day, a positive outcome. Right. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. We need more of that. We do. We can't use media in its current form to close that gap. Right. We've got to do it in person, much like we're doing now much like that mm-hmm. interaction in the park. More of that needs to happen.
2: Right. And that's why I don't want to do Zoom meetings. And I get people are afraid with COVID. I, I'm afraid myself. But it, it's not real and raw when you're, when you're doing it through yeah, video. Like a video.
1: It's like a disconnect. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, I know people aren't where I am. It took me a long time to get where I am. And so I don't. Criticize them for that, and um, and some people are still dealing with trauma and pain, and um, and I sympathize with with that. I mean, I still have my own.
1: You know, uh, just kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll come in here. So when I came on uh, twenty one years ago, um, I did about five years in patrol. I did most of my time in patrol, third watch, Rainier Valley, and I chose that area. Because I was motivated to be a hardworking, hard-charging, proactive cop. I didn't see the lens of me being a white cop. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to go to the high crime area. Because I knew that's where the action was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get the guns and dope. I wanted to get in the car chases. I wanted to get in the foot pursuits. And I knew I would find it down there. Um, and when you're that age, at least for me, just speaking from my personal experience... That's all I cared about. I didn't see the other side of that as to why is that area influxed with crime? Mm -hmm. Why is there such a uh, propensity for guns and dope to be in that area? And then then what's the disconnect with a young copper going in there trying to clean up that neighborhood? But I'm learning this now as I get older, Mm -hmm. as we develop and mature, there's another side that would have made me a better cop. Not saying that what I did was anything right. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure I made mistakes, mm-hmm. but, but if I would have known some of the social racial aspects that I'm learning, that I've learned over the years, I would have been a better proactive cop because I would have made that, in, that connection to some of the disconnect that I think is occurring. There's, mm-hmm. there's no conversations. It's mm-hmm. basically I'd show up for my shift. I'd log in. I'd maybe handle some calls and then I'd go, Basically, look for the bad people who are committing the crimes. Uh And we used to, remember, use Polaroid pictures where we would take pictures of how much dope we had that night, how many guns we took off the streets. And that was a badge of honor. Uh We put it on the precinct board. Hey, Solon did this. Yeah, with other partner I had. And that was just like, hey, we're being proactive. But the other side of that is, what other connections are you making in the community? And I think that if we, you know, if we can do a better job with just explaining our actions, trying to remove the racial tensions, Mm -hmm. because I didn't see it with me, just white skin, arresting black people. I was just going after the high crime areas. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that. But I think if I would have recognized that more, I think I would have had more of an impact. Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense. And hearing you say that, um... I, I like hearing that, that that you're aware of that now and that sure. that now that you can teach that to the the younger ones coming in, I, I think that uh, you know I, I, I think some of the younger ones, I think are too young coming in on the front lines.
1: They, they don't have they're, they're just green. Yeah. life experience is really not there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm a I'm a suburban kid from Detroit. I went to school in the inner city, but I, didn't, I don't. You, I'll use the social justice term of white privilege. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe a habit. Yeah. But I was born lucky, if you will, or my parents worked hard and they, 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 they had a good upbringing, and I had two parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a good structure. Right. And you just grow, and you try to figure out what you want to do. Um. But I had the courage to become a cop to help clean up communities, but to, to chase down people, to hold people accountable, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if we can get to a candidate for police officer that has that life experience, that can understand racial tensions, mm-hmm. skin color, the history of policing, black community, incarceration, crime, I think we can get to a better place. Mm-hmm. But right now, from what I'm seeing, and I don't want to take a ball, yeah. we're here for a long time, we're seeing is a disconnect between understanding why we do police do certain things. And I think some people are using race as a lazy form of not getting to this understanding of why. Sure, there are racist cops, absolutely, but there are racist plumbers. There's racist teachers, right? The whole system is as a problem, but yeah,
2: but... but- but plumbers and teachers don't carry weapons. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They, we have a profound power to take another person's life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is such a huge responsibility that we don't take lightly. Like I, yeah. like I don't know one copper that wakes up and says, I'm going to go kill somebody today. Mm-hmm. I don't. I never have. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if we did... We would cast them aside. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Are there people that have that mindset? Without a doubt, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that do the job of policing are good human beings. There is that. There is that sect sect mm-hmm. of people, though, that are there for the nefarious reasons.
2: But, but I, I don't think there. I don't think there's anybody, cop or or just the general public public, um, wakes up thinking I'm going to go kill somebody, okay. but, but, uh, there are, there are cops that clearly do not like black people.
1: You like like them or scared of them or.
2: I, I, I think they don't, I think they're racist and, and I, and I believe that they are afraid of them. I, okay. I think that they fear, you know. What are
1: they, what are they scared of you think?
2: I, I think that they believe the stereotype that you know that they're like if they're going to stop somebody they automatically have a gun or you know they sure. they, they fear them. I um a, a, almost every black officer that I know um, have shared of why they have become cops, and I can tell you I think almost all of them have said because I was pulled over, and this happened to me, and I wanted to make a change. I want to hear that from white yeah. officers, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, you know, and
1: I, I... Going after guns and dope, mm-hmm. working nights, you knew why a car was out there, right? Mm-hmm. And you could... I mean, the people call it profiling, right? And mm-hmm. It became racial profiling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten... The instinct of a cop, and it, every cop's got different skill set, mm-hmm. right? Different, more different, different training, or just different intuition, where their gut feel is telling that's a good stop. Meaning, you're going to get something out of that. I'm just speaking from my perspective. Mm-hmm. So, whether it's a, a car side street in it at two thirty in the morning, you know, why are you out here at that time? Why is it occupied by four times? Um, and you have to develop reasonable suspicion mm-hmm. to do a law enforcement intervention on that car Mm -hmm. and then you gain more information. So were there mistakes made? Absolutely. Were were, were the wrong people stopped? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Were they stopped because they were black? Possibly. Mm -hmm. But you take all those other factors, time of night, high crime area, the way they're walking. Maybe you've had past interaction with them, all that stuff. And I think just as being a police officer, trying to convey that message um, is difficult sometimes to get that information out there. But I totally get what you're saying. Is that there are people that you know maybe don't have that intuition, that mm-hmm. gut instinct, to how to be, how to become a good cop, how to read the situation, know when to intervene and know when to just pull back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the disconnect becomes because then people judge their actions with a... 2020 hindsight and then that's the judgment then gets wrapped up on in race and then the circle starts right and we're in that circle mm-hmm. and i i being in the circle i think is good for our community because then we're having conversations and maybe we can stop that circle from spinning
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i um you know, I like I said, I've seen a little bit of change, and um, uh, Captain Grinnan, uh, and I really miss him at the precinct. He, uh, I remember him calling me about something and saying, "How do I handle this?" And you know, he he's he's a white man, but I he, I felt his. Uh, Compassion for the black community. And, and, and to come and ask me, how should he handle something? Um, that's, I think that, I mean, that was a little bit, but it was a lot to me. And um, I, I just wish that the majority of, of the community that that wants to heal and wants change, I wish that they could have some of the relationships I have with SPD and um not only come to meetings and get involved but you know call the precinct and ask can I can I meet with the lieutenant sergeant captain or whoever ask they're willing to meet you know
0: yeah
2: and um without cameras and everything you know
1: yeah because that's when you get into just authentic yeah you know um We started something here uh, in Spog not too long ago, right before COVID hit. It's called the Emerald Protection Plan. It was just basically an innovative concept from cops that work the street from... Because we represent cops and sergeants, right? Mm -hmm. 1,300 people. Now 1,200 people. We're losing a lot of people. Um, Where, you know, we collected food from ourselves at first and distributed to food banks across the city um, to feed our most, you know... People that are in tough times. Mm-hmm. And then we pus- then we reached out to independent grocery stores, did the same thing. And then six Fridays, we collected and donated over five tons of food to feed the people. One in particular was in, um, in Safeway, Rainier Beach, mm-hmm. where there's an individual who was shot and killed. And he went to Rainier Beach High School. Mm-hmm. So we did a Safeway um, food collection drive on his honor. Rainier Beach football team, members of that were there. Mm. And uh, it was a great community event. I think that day alone, we had like a ton and a half of food we donated to Rainier Valley Food Bank. Wow. That same parking lot, less than 24 hours later, two people were shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, we got a lot of more work to do. Mm-hmm. Why is that crime occurring? Mm-hmm. You know, wh- what, what, What's occurring in society to make that type of criminality occur and take people away from us? And then with that, what's the role of policing in that community? How do we heal that wound? It wasn't police violence. It wasn't police interaction. It was was community member upon community member violence. So I think if we're going to have these long-form discussions with police and relations in the black community, I think we really need to highlight, too, the criminality that, Unfortunately, plagues that area of our city, and we have to understand why. Why is it a policing problem? Perhaps let's have a discussion on it. Mm-hmm. But is there something outside of police intervention that's allowing for that type of behavior to continue? And I, I don't know what the answer is. I
2: don't either. I I don't either. It's uh, I I have this conversation a lot with with friends and family. Um, I don't think it's a police issue the the black on black crime,
1: and I don't know. Do you think any of that has to do with over policing or stopping black people indiscriminately because of the black on black crime?
2: Mm. No,
0: no. I
2: to be honest, like I said, I, I just I don't know. I I I just I don't know. You know, and this has been going been going on forever. Forever. And um and it seems like we're we're not getting anywhere. We're just Yeah. We're not getting anywhere. Um,
1: I don't know if that's socioeconomic class racism.
2: I I I don't know. I don't know. Is
1: that the systemic racism that people are talking about? Is it police racism? You know, I, mm-hmm. I think those are the discussions that we need to be we need yeah. to have as a community, yeah. so we can all be on the same page. Yeah. Because I just feel coming from just a just me, and I hate talking about me, just mm-hmm. dividing us in race. Cause
2: we, I, we we are so divided. I, well, I
1: don't know why. It, it doesn't need to be this way, right? Because be I because I, I don't see you as just a black female. Mm-hmm. I look in your eyes and just talking to you, listening to you in your appearances, you just seem like a real person. I don't see Victoria as a black female. I just see you as Victoria. Mm-hmm. But the reality is our society has had these racial divides forever. Mm-hmm. And sadly, police are caught in the middle because we are reflection of the communities that we police, but predominantly most police officers are black or excuse me, white. Yeah. Right.
2: And, and you're caught in the middle because exactly you have um, police officers that should not be officers that, that yeah. have killed black men, women and children. And so you guys are all thrown and lumped together mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I'm not going to do that. I, um, even though I I still have anger, um, when somebody is killed, I, I still, um, I can't lump everybody together, because I know, I know so many officers that, that are just as upset when that happens, and want, they want to make a change, and, um. I'm I'm willing to sit down and listen and talk, and have the real raw conversation. Good for you. That's and a, um,
1: and and so are police. So is this police union, because mm-hmm. I'm passionate about defending the profession of law enforcement. Right. Right. And obviously, you're passionate about your community. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we're both members of this community. I live in this city. Yeah. I believe in this city. I believe in the department. They took a chance on me. But I'm just a white boy from the suburbs coming in for a job. Yeah, I don't see your side of it, and I'm starting to right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't well, see. We have to have these
2: conversations exactly.
1: one hundred percent. So, so mm-hmm. let's get to the heart of the matter when it comes to obviously George Floyd. We all we all understand that, right? right. I think you've seen our letters. Like, right. I think I don't know any reasonable cop out there that thinks what happened to George Floyd is is is, is okay.
2: Right. I
1: I have never heard it. I haven't either. So um, clearly that protest message has been hijacked by a small group of people Mm -hmm. that are very loud. They're extreme radical activists Mm -hmm. that all they care about is destruction, hurting people and hurting property, destroying property. But they've piggybacked piggybacked off of George Floyd peaceful protests, and now it's become this nationwide anti-system
0: riot. Right. Where
1: people are getting killed, police officers are being injured, mm-hmm. community members are being injured, mm-hmm. and obviously you're fed up with it.
2: Beyond fed up with it. I... Um, I I feel like the black community needs to wake up at what's, what's happening. Um, they've hijacked the movement. As you said, they're out there every single night, and people don't even realize that it's still going on, but they're out there every single night uh, setting fires. You know, I can go down a list and, and in my neighborhood, and you're not going to do it in my neighborhood. And I did confront them, and I told them, you are disrespecting uh, George Floyd and the rest that have been murdered. Um, How dare you, right, jump on on the bandwagon for your own agenda. It has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Nothing. And, um, you know, I'm not knocking SPD, but but they can't stop him. I think it's going to take the black community in a peaceful way to stand up against him and say, You're not going to do this. This is our movement. If you want to be a part of it, you're not going to be violent. You stand behind us. We lead this. And, um, you know, as you know, every black um, protest that has been put on by the black community with thousands. Has been peaceful. No violence.
1: With no police intervention. No at all.
2: police, and um, and I feel like that was getting the point across. You know, thousands of demonstrations. And we're not right? going to Thousands take it. in those demonstrations. Thousands, and and um, and this small group is uh, they don't represent me. They don't represent the black community. Maybe some. But but I can tell you I've been getting so many emails and messages and just saying you're right, we support you. We have got to stop them. I, I, I want to walk down my street without seeing everything boarded up, everything spray painted. And um you know, I I just I've had enough. I, I live not too far from the East Precinct. I'm sick of hearing sirens, I'm sick of hearing helicopters, I'm sick of hearing them. I um I, I think they're gonna wait and and, and meet their match that's going to, going to do more than do a push like I did. you know it's getting it's getting out of hand, and I also blame um, Sawant and city council. they might as well put on the same gear that those protesters have on or rioters, they're not even protesters, and march with them because that, that's what they're literally doing so if they if,
1: if these people that are Destroying and that have stolen the George Floyd message for change. Mm-hmm. Why does the council seem to govern
0: with them?
2: I absolutely don't know. I, I it, it just blows my mind that they're allowing it. Uh, it. It blows my mind that they're allowing that. And, and you know... You may disagree with me, and other people may disagree, but I feel like if those were black protesters doing all of that, that wouldn't be happening. It would not be happening. You know, and a lot of these kids aren't even from Seattle. They're from Kirkland and from uh, from the east side.
1: Do you think they've been indoctrinated in, like, via school or something like that, to think like this? Like this social justice change, this, this socialist movement?
2: maybe I I, I I don't know what
1: I don't know what yeah happening. I, I trying to wrap my head around it because I mean we're seeing obviously we're getting into politics right mm-hmm. now and we're seeing an activist movement if you will
2: yeah
1: of unreasonableness that's I've been tagging it as mm-hmm. um, that seem to be capturing the narrative violence t- is 10 is winning right now? Mm-hmm. At least capturing some of the obviously the media attention. Portland, Seattle, right. now in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, it
2: you know, can I say I I? Um, I just lost my
1: train of. That's mind. okay. That's <laughs> why we have the. See, this part of that with the show, we can go back and just say, maybe you know, we could, we can redo that one. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was talking about, you know, we're seeing it in Seattle and Portland, yeah. and obviously the shooting in Philadelphia. Do you think that Antifa is trying to take over that type of energy behind that, the the looting, and just the pillaging, and just the order unrest?
2: They they are taking taking that it over, but you know the other thing is the black communities are are being blamed for for all the looting sure. and everything else.
1: You're being used.
2: Yeah, we, we are being used, and and people are blaming us. That's why we need to step up and take it back and continue. How
1: do you take it back?
2: We need to we need to get out there and march in them. the streets. Yes, in, in a, the peaceful way we do.
1: Do you think our elected officials, mostly the people that are in charge of holding people accountable for their criminal actions? are doing their jobs appropriately, such as if the police move in with those Antifa types, they arrest let's say fifteen to twenty people. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to look at the statistics to whether or not city attorney or the King County prosecutor have actually charged people. No. And so maybe that's part of the issue. Th-
2: that is part of the issue. Because
1: they keep coming out yep. every day.
2: Why why even arrest them if they're gonna if they're gonna be let go? I I, I don't get it or not so be it's in
1: essence that the the community, the reasonable community, black White, Asian, Hispanic, everybody in Seattle need to come out and condemn. What's essentially about a hundred people. You that, know what? That continue to hold us hostage by their activism.
2: You know, yep. I, I think we don't even need um, the I feel like if, if there were even twenty of the black community that came out and stood against them, they would leave. I um you know I'm not proud of of the night I went and confronted them let's talk about it. I um well to start off I, I've been upset about it every night it's just it's getting old and, and one of my neighbors called me and said Vicki they're out here and um and I had heard the sirens but I just thought I knew what it was so I got dressed in Came out and she said they turned the corner and I thought, you know what? I'm going to confront them tonight. Enough is enough. You had it. I had it. So I put on, um, got in my car, went looking, and all I saw were police everywhere. And I hadn't seen that many since CHOP. And I thought, what's going on? And they were all over and they were up on side streets and I thought, wow, are they, are they marching on side streets now? So I drove around, and I, I, I couldn't find them, and I um, actually had talked to a couple um, officers in a car because I had to back down a street that I got blocked, and I thought, oh, no, I hope they don't shoot me thinking I'm one of them. So I rolled my window down, and I said, I'm not one of them, and, and we talked, and we were talking about how fed up we were, so I decided I was going to go home. And um, on my way home, I saw um, Seattle Youth Security. And we started talking. And uh, I know some of them because I live almost basically on campus. And um, um, one of their spotters came up and was asking about, um, is SPD allowed on campus? And he was like, yeah. And he goes, because we're push- they're pushing us away from the campus. and. And he goes, you're sure they, they're allowed on campus? And then I jumped out of my car, and I, I can't say the words I said, but I said, I know what you're up to, and I know why you don't want them on the campus. You're going to try to tear it up more and thinking that you're safe. And um, he, he was afraid of me, which I was glad, and, and drove off. And then here comes all the protesters. And, um, and I thought, wow, this is something here. They come down the street that I just happened to be on. How many were there? You know what? I, I thought 50 to 60. It's a decent size. But somebody else told me it, they thought it was 75. It was a lot of them. And so I, um, I completely lost it. I went to the front of the line and I told them to get the hell out of my neighborhood, you don't. You're not representing the black community. You've hijacked our movement. Um, you're What'd disrespecting s- George Floyd. What would they say to you? They started calling me. You can say. Um, a bitch. A hoe. Shut the fuck up and go home. Um, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> are you, you're talking to me, and and so I shoved the girl who who said that to me. And I said, don't you ever. No, I, I didn't shove her. I pulled her shoulder, turned her around because she's. I said. Don't you ever talk to me? You're in my neighborhood. You go home, and um, they surrounded me, and um, and I, I shoved a few more because they were too close to me, and uh, and then they decided to march on. And I'm thinking they probably thought this is one crazy black woman, and um, and at, you know, I put myself in a dangerous situation, but. Um, I don't know. So anyway, they marched on, and, and I just continued screaming and yelling the same
1: thing at but all But your of them. passion for your cause, for your community, gave you the courage to go confront them. Yeah. And that's what's leading me to um, commend you, like I mentioned earlier. Well, thank you. It's going to take passion, and it's going to take people <coughs> with uh, an overwhelming Energy mm-hmm. to beat these people back. Mm-hmm. Beats. Pr- I'm sorry. Beats probably not a good thing to say. <laughs> I would but, say stop them from doing their violence. Yeah,
2: but you know, so I I've seen it. It's all over Facebook and Twitter, and I want to say 99.9 percent is um, backing me and have been so supportive. And there are a few that are like she assaulted. She uh, shoves. Son- you're out there trying to kill police. You're trying to kill the community people that live in buildings you're trying to burn. And you're going to whine about being pushed, you know?
1: Yeah, you never get changed with violence.
2: You you don't. You don't. So, you know, I, I wish that um, city council and the mayor, and I'm even going to throw the governor in there. Where, where has he been? You know, they should have solved this before now, since we're so close to the election, because we're going to have them on top of the other nuts that are going to come out.
1: I have yet to hear the council publicly come out and and condemn this stuff. Anything. Let alone the people that have been injured. Right. I've never heard them say, stop this violence. Because they, I firmly believe that they have the power and influence to stop much of this. But I'm of the opinion, a lot of this is coordinated and it's not just playing in Seattle. It's mm-hmm. going on in Portland. Mm-hmm. This is a cause for them to push their political ideology. It is. And the movement, George Floyd, change, is being hijacked by not just the activists here in Seattle,
0: but nationwide.
2: You, you don't even hear. I, you you no. barely hear about him or anybody else. And um, and how are we going to make a change if... if we don't talk about him or what else has happened. Now we're focused on these fools.
1: Yeah, they're they're taking up all of our time. Yeah, you know I um. I'd like to help you with that change, to stop these these people yeah. from, from what they're doing to our city, because mm-hmm. cops are getting hurt, the community is getting hurt, mm-hmm. and we have elected officials that, are not leading.
2: They're not. We have to get rid. Now of Now we've line. got
1: cops that are. Fleeing good yes. good coppers.
2: I, I, I know a lot of them that, that this said will take over done.
1: a decade to recover from. And then we talked about previously when we were discussing, we're getting people probably in the, the job of policing that are too green. Yes. And then what happens to the quality of hire when you cannot hire any, anybody of good quality to be a police officer anymore right. due to what's going on? Right. That'll create more problems. It's a it's a it's a cycle. It's a vicious I mean, who, cycle. Who
2: would want to come and work for
1: SPD? Who alone would want to come be a police officer now?
2: Right. You know, I I just
1: people would say, well, you can just you can just you can just quit. But no, we want to serve. Yeah, it takes a certain human being to be a be a police officer.
2: I, I hate to say it, we we need police. We need we need them. You know, I I. I'm not for defunding. I'm for reform. You know, we do. There are other... I mean, we do need to make some changes, but not the way they're being made with city council coming in and and taking away the navigation team without having a plan.
1: There's no plan. No. We haven't even been brought to the table. No. Chief Carmen Best was not brought to the table. She was
2: not. She was not. You
1: want to talk about... Racial justice change. The council likes to tip their, hang their head on that. But look what they did to the first African-American police chief in Absolutely. the city of Seattle.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Like I said, we need to get rid of all of them. Um, you know, and and I, I voted for Teresa and Lorena and hosted an event for Teresa, which I, I regret, and I will do my best. I will try my hardest to get them out.
1: And the rumor is that she's going to be running for mayor. Hmm.
2: Well, people better remember this. They better remember this that she allowed this to happen to our city. And I, you know, I don't even know if we if we're going to recover. You know, not not only you said officers are leaving. I've lost four neighbors have sold their homes.
1: Fed up with the political activity. Yeah. Yep. We have, you know, not too long ago, the mayor and the president of the council, maybe four and a half months ago, when the city filed determination papers for the Department of Justice, Mm -hmm. they applauded this agency for being one of the most progressive in the nation, let alone the world. Yep. Leads on training, de-escalation. And yet here we are, the council's backing defunding. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Three of the council candidates ran out of platform for election a little over a year ago. In fact, first time I met you was at our mm-hmm. forum mm-hmm. for more funding of police, more police officers. And yet here they are trying to take oh. away police officer positions. Yep. And then they're using race, at least Councilmember Member Herbal did initially, to do these layoffs based upon people's race. Excuse right. me, I think that that's mm-hmm. against the law of the Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. regardless if you're white. Mm-hmm. And then I think if we continue to focus on identity politics, my personal opinion, we're going to continue our divide when we need unity. And I think you and I, we're, we're, we're touching the surface of this racial discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm learning from you and you're hearing mm-hmm. my perspective. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we continue to just divide people by their race, skin color, mm-hmm. we're never going to get there. We're not.
2: And now the black community is divided.
1: Of course you are. Yes. And yeah. who is left holding the bag right now? The black community.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: But yet, they say they're champions for you.
2: hmm mm-hmm. Seems to be the
1: direct opposite.
2: Exactly.
1: exactly. Um, you know, we've been at this for, it's been an hour already.
2: You're kidding.
1: Nope. <laughs> we haven't even touched the service. Wow. But I do want to just kind of segue into just, um, you know, Antifa, they need to go away.
2: They do. You, you know what? And and, um, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that SPD doesn't, I you know I stand behind them 100%, but I went to Bellevue last Saturday.
1: Oh, you were in that demonstration. Well, no, you were demonstrating yours no, were there. Yeah, I went Sorry.
2: There, yeah, and um, um, a friend of mine said, let's go over there, let's grab dinner and and just see what happens. And those business owners were scared to
1: death. Of course, they don't want their storefront smashed. And, and,
2: and we're looking at each other like, but we've been through it. How many days? And so um, those uh, rioters, those those officers and there were quite a few SPD over there didn't they didn't give them an inch yeah. to do anything at the most they, they drew with chalk in the street no spray painting no breaking windows
1: do you think that was the right tactical approach on behalf of the police and in the, the community there in bellevue hold mm-hmm. yeah. people accountable don't let them destroy your right.
2: city don't was it was it the chief of police and was it Detroit who said, "Don't give them an inch"? You can't give them an inch.
1: You can't give them an
2: inch. No, and and I was there, like I said, at CHOP every night, and I I was standing in on on the side when they were throwing frozen water bottles and rocks and everything, and that woman that was um, had the pink umbrella, mm-hmm. um, she was jabbing that officer, which that wasn't shown on the news, of course, and not. that's that's when. They let them have it. And
1: that's when Council Member Sawant blamed the police for being mm-hmm.
2: violent. And um, and and there were a few officers that I, early on, that I thought, oh, they, they want it. They're waiting to fight. And and I didn't agree with them. But when you have to, you have to. And and if you're an innocent bystander, you need to get out of the way. And I can say I was in there nightly, and I never got hit or struck one time. I knew when, when to get out of the way. Because you, know. you have common sense. Yeah. But but the ones that, that got hurt, they wanted to fight.
1: Yes. They were there for a purpose. Yeah. And they, usually they started to get violent around midnight. Yeah. So that's when they, it's all coordinated. Yeah. When they started their first June, the first week of June the battle for the East Precinct, mm-hmm. that's when they started hijacking this message.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were
1: bent on destruction.
2: Yeah. You know, well, I felt like it was hijacked, what was that first day, May?
1: Uh, 30, 29th or 30th.
2: Yeah. I was down there, and the black community, very peaceful at Westlake, and then you go oh, right yeah. a block away. I mean, I was right there when the car was set on fire. I took so much video of these kids um, writing Black Lives Matter and breaking windows and going in northrooms, and I and I thought the black community is going to be blamed for this when they were peaceful down here.
1: And you're still getting blamed.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, at least you're still being used, yeah. in my opinion.
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: I want yeah. to stop that.
2: Yeah, we have to.
1: Well, let's get let's as we transition to the to topic two here, and we're kind to wrap up. Okay. I, I'm gonna have you on again. <laughs> um, police violence, targeting of African Americans, shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, on average, FBI statistics say that cops, on average, it's about a thousand deaths a year at the hands of police. And then they break down the deaths of police, the deaths at the hands of police towards community members across the nation in their racial categories. Mm-hmm. And predominantly, the race that is getting killed the most are white people. And then you break it down even further with the African American, and it's very small minute, but then we focus on, in the media, and I think mm-hmm. in the community that you represent, whether or not that's good or bad, but they focus on about 30 cases a year on average of whether they're, Unarmed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: tragic shooting deaths. And I think right there is where I think the disconnect gets lost, where people think that police just target black people to kill them. Mm-hmm. And I would I would love to hear your perspective on that because, you know, I'll obviously give you my biased opinion because mm-hmm. I'm just a copper, mm-hmm. right? I hope I never have to take anybody's life because I don't mm-hmm. want that on my, on my right. I'm a Catholic kid. Mm-hmm. I don't want that on my conscience, but mm-hmm. I'm trained and I have the mindset to absolutely, I'll, I could take somebody's life mm-hmm. if it is needed,
0: warranted.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm going to be real,
0: bring I'm it, honest. Yeah,
2: I, um, even though statistics show that more whites are are killed, yes, it's how the blacks are killed. How so? Um, George
1: Floyd, um,
2: Breonna Taylor, she was shot. Yeah. Uh, I I don't mean what type of weapon I mean. Oh, Oh, just
1: the manner and how it was portrayed. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, so let's just look at the George Floyd one. Mm Mm-hmm. Horrible. The optics of that alone. Like, for me, I'm watching that video, and I'm seeing that officer with the knee on the neck. Now, I don't know if they were trained that way in in Minneapolis. I have no clue. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if their defensive tactics training had them put the knee on the person's neck or their upper shoulder, whatever. But it just a common sense police officer, human being, let's just remove race. Mm -hmm. Let's just, how do you not notice the optics of your knee on somebody's neck for even longer than 10 seconds? With people videotaping you saying, get your knee off him, he can't breathe. Mm -hmm. How do you not make the connection to say, you know what, I should probably readjust what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I completely understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, it's like the perfect storm of like, offender's black, the officer's white, here we go. Mm -hmm. And then we introduce race and then we have these what I think are very needed conversations that we must have all the time. Mm-hmm.
2: It, but see, I I also believe that that his race had something to do okay. with it. Okay, okay, I, I do, sure, I do, and and you know, and and this goes back to, um. I, I'm going to share this, and and I've only shared it a handful of times, um, because I. Uh, my my parents are have both passed, and, and I, I love and adore my dad, but I grew up in a home of domestic violence, and um, and of course the police would come, and and this happened quite a bit growing up, and they would beat my dad up every single time. Did he fight him? No.
1: Were they okay? So like, how many times? That might have been like street justice. Like, they were so... I'm I'm yeah. not making excuses. Yeah. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. interpret a cop's mm-hmm. mentality back in the day.
2: Probably because he beat his because wife Because he's up. beaten the yeah. system.
1: They're like, hey, you need some street justice, so you stop beating your wife. Yep. Yeah. But I'm not condoning what they did. Right, okay? I, 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 I don't condone it at,
2: at all. And
1: Nobody should use violence no. to, and, to...
2: And so I watched my dad get the crap beat out of him. And I, re- I remember... Even though we needed the police, thinking don't call them
1: because so he's going to get they're going to kill my dad. So you're you're just witnessing violence.
2: Yeah, and um, and and when my dad would get out of jail and come home, he would always have a black eye, busted lip, or whatever. And and um, you know, it it was just so disturbing to me. And um, and so that's how I grew up with with police. And then um, that set you up for. Where you grew up yep. and your mindset towards the police, police. and then my own interactions. Makes I, I, sense. I was actually, I um, and I'm going to say the word called a nigger. Okay. My my twin sister by the police by the police, and uh, over and over, and I was only seventeen, and I'm thinking like, what year was it?
1: I don't want to. You don't have yeah. to answer that. Don't you <laughs> <to> age yourself.
2: <laughs> this was in in the seventies, okay. and um. They, um, I'm, I'm just thinking like, they, they can't say that they can't do that, but, but I'm powerless. Who's going to do anything about yeah, that's it? It's unacceptable. And, um, um, and then I, I just witnessed a, a, a lot more. And, and like I said, you know, every single time I, I ever was pulled over, so rude to me, just so rude. And I was pulled over one time in Lake City and, um, uh, I did my, my license was expired because I had a ticket that I didn't agree with, and I thought, I'm not paying it.
1: <laughs> so you got suspended? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
2: and I just thought, who cares? I'm going to drive anyway. And so I got pulled over, um, my friend and I, and the officer was a bitch. She made me get out, and she goes, you're going to jail. And I'm thinking, like, for not having a license? And then she said she pulled me over because I didn't have my headlights on. When and when I stopped the car, my friend said, "You should probably turn the headlights off." So I knew that I had them. I had them on. I turned uh, them off, and I and I told her that. And then she said, "Well, you're going to get a ticket for."
1: You call that a pretext stop? Is that what that's called? She
2: said, I, "I'm getting a ticket for having a dirty license."
1: Uh, oh, like, a license plate you couldn't read it.
2: That's yeah. not even what you pulled me over for. It's just for, and so she and so I just thought this is why I hate them,
1: and. Um, so you, you, you just grew up with just violence, and then the police would come in to try to even try to solve the situation, but then more violence. Violence. Because they're, they're probably frustrated coming in all the time, tired of your dad beating your mom, right?
2: Yeah, but that's not an excuse. No, I'm yeah. not saying. Oh, yeah, okay. No, what I'm saying okay. is
1: is that I'm connecting that. Yeah. You're just witnessing violence, violence, mm-hmm. not only just internally in your family, yeah. but then you bring in outside entities that are supposed to solve the problem yeah. bringing more violence. Yeah. And so that that mindset continues, and then you get I had these experiences over the years, mm-hmm. and that just furthers your rage and yep. your passion to stand up for your community. Yeah. But here and, we are.
2: And, and I think, you know, if it were now, would would my dad be one of one of the ones that would have been shot and killed? You know, and I, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit of, of the story about my nephew because I, I think um, – and, you, and I'm sure you know the officer. He's no longer with SPD. But um, so my nephew and his wife would get into it every now and then little arguments, and they, and they would call my um, sister his mom. So she came one time. They were arguing. His, his wife slapped him in the face, locked him out, out the house, and she came over to say, um, let me take his clothes. I'll take him home with me. And he had been drinking, ex-Marine, And, um, and she wouldn't, so my, they were still arguing through the door and my sister thought, you know what, I, I'm just going to get the police to help me out. And my sister called and she said, don't shoot my son. You know, I I need, this is what I need. And she said, it was unbelievable how many officers showed up.
1: And, um, was it violent that day or is it like the violent call? Or was it was just a DV, like verbal disturbance.
2: The DV, because they they weren't even. She was in the house and he was locked out, and my okay, sister but, wanted. But did
1: he have history? To you know, did Pudi, No, no, okay,
2: no, and um, and so, um, they came, and my sister said they came to fight. There were so many of them, and she was just mortified how many police were there, and, um and and I like I said my, he's an ex-marine and he had been drinking and and when he saw how many cops came that set him off and it sure. was like oh you, you want to fight and yeah they Let's wanted go. to fight yeah. but he they they wanted to arrest him they beat him up so bad my sister said he was just covered in blood and she was screaming at them to stop and um she went to an officer which they You're probably told not to do this, but I I don't blame her. She tapped one on the shoulder and said, please. She was picked up and thrown, broke her arm, and um, she was arrested. They both, and he was beat up so bad it it, it, his pants came off. So she said she's sitting in in a paddy wagon with her son, Bloody. And um, she got out of jail, I think, that night. I think she got out of jail that night, and um, and she went back the next day to to see him with with my mom and and aunts, and uh, but but she had made a complaint before she went to see him, a formal complaint, and they arrested her when she was visiting, saying for assaulting an officer. And um, long story short. Um, that officer got in trouble for other stuff, and um, um, and then she 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 used to be a pharmacy technician, and and there was an officer that walked around her the building that she worked in, and she became friends with him, and they were talking, and she goes, "I know you, and I've seen you somewhere," and they were good friends, and then she said that went the night before. Um, she went in the next day. He's the one who broke my arm. No way. Yeah. And she talked to him, and he, and he said yes. And I apologize. And the other officer who was lead or whatever, he no longer works for the department.
1: How long ago was this? Mm,
2: 18 years ago. But I I shared this story recently with 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 an officer and he knew the name immediately, yeah. and and um and he and he said I knew that whole group of officers out there and and they had a history of that and a couple of them don't work for SPD anymore and so that still bothers me because I think could my and, you know, like I thought about my dad, could my nephew have been shot and killed even though he didn't have a weapon. But 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 I'm trying to, to move on and and um
1: Well talking about it is moving on to yeah. degree like you're cathartically yeah. working through it.
2: Yeah. Although my 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 daughter is um has two more years of graduate school and she's gonna be a clinical psychologist and her and I a few weeks ago were talking about stuff with the police, and she told me, you know what, Mom, you need therapy because you still carry trauma. And um, yeah,
1: you witnessed violence your whole life.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of made me mad because I thought I don't need a therapist, you know. <laughs> but um,
1: nothing wrong with talking to people.
2: Yeah, but 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 I feel like this is helping me. What I do is all is also helping me. It's it's I'm learning not to put all police in that group. You know, um, because I have made a lot of black and white. Um,
1: We're human beings.
2: You know, I, I I'm not I can't lump them all together. You know,
1: that's pretty profound. It's um, like, I think the message there too for me that I take away from that. Mm-hmm. We can't lump all the black community in one, right? Because that's stereotypical to think mm-hmm. that. The gangster mm-hmm. thug yeah. is a re- true reflection of your black community. I don't believe it is.
2: No. No.
1: Awesome discussion.
2: Mm-hmm. It could go on and on. Yeah, we could be here for a long and, time. And I wish that other members of the community could have the discussion. We will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. We need to do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. More. And
2: mm-hmm. just think how powerful we would be together.
1: Together? Mm-hmm. Understanding each other mm-hmm. and disagreeing. Mm-hmm. We didn't really we have a disagreement today, did we? No. We will. We but will. that'll be good. Mm-hmm. You're going to come back?
2: I will. I will.
1: Victoria Beach, you've been fantastic.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, thank you for um, tuning in. I want to thank Victoria Beach for being here. As the first inaugural, Hold the Line with Mike Solon concludes. I'll see you again. You will. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you.